We already had the, the one fuck up, which is probably the best podcast we've ever recorded. God rest in, rest in peace, zombie <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Welcome to a brand new episode of Too Much Time on Our Hands, a theatrical cut. I'm Sonia, and sat next to me, with his profile for radio, is Terry. Hello. Hello, dear. How are you? Okay, you know how I am. We've been chatting for like the last hour. I know, but I like to make it seem like we care about each other on while it's being recorded. We are currently isolated in my yeah. house. Self-isolated. Um, no, we're not. We're fine. We're... Uh... For some reason, I was going to say, we're young, fun, and full of cum. Why would I say that? <laughs> well, I've said it now. I, I so... feel queasier now than I do when I saw the picture of the earwax candle. We finally solved that mystery as well. Randomly, and I have to apologise, Gemma, my wife, knew the answer. The <laughs> last person we in didn't... the world I ever would have thought to ask. <laughs> we didn't think to ask her. And we, technically, we didn't ask her. We just said the question out loud as she turned around and said, it's Father Ted, it's Jack's earwax. So if anyone else has been racking their brains, it is Father Ted where they have the earwax candle. We can all rest easy now. And it is an absolutely minging looking thing as Ugh. well. Imagine what it tastes like. <laughs> Why would that go into your... A, earwax, to be a candle. Do you regularly eat those two things? No, but when you were younger, did you never, like, put your finger in your ear and then taste it? Only accidentally, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> An a, a insight into Sonia's youth there. <laughs> Eating her earwax on yeah. long car journeys. <laughs> Short car journeys, to be fair. <laughs> Popping around the shop. Well, as you all know, I produce a lot of earwax now, so I've got a lot of tasting going on. Anyway, on to the subject of uh, this, this it's not this week's pod, this fortnight's pod. That's That's correct. what we do. Um, and it's we were discussing this just earlier. It's slim pickings at the moment, because what with coronavirus doing the rounds, there's not much showing at the cinema, because they're pulling everything. <laughs> um, but we decided that we were going to talk about... Gangs, because of the true history of the Kelly Gang came out. Yeah. It's now down to what, one showing a day. One showing at 10am. So that's me. I, I haven't managed to see it that. yet. But this so, has only been out for about a week. There was... I I miss... I'm really gutted about this. I'm sure I'll be able to pick it up in some, like, cinema like The Rex or The Odyssey or something. The um, David Copperfield film. Yeah. Um. That was That was dropped to, like showing at 10 10 a.m and let's be honest if you're going to work every day which a lot of people are yeah that's not really doable and the other one i wanted to see the bad boys film that's now only on at 9 p.m at least that's semi i mean that's only (sighs) not doable because we can't stay awake that late it's on at nine which means it'll start at half nine which means it'll finish at half 11 Mm. that's a solid like five hours after my usual bedtime but the thing that's annoying about it is Hemel's now got, what, 20 screens? <clears throat> Do you think they'll be able to pop it on a bit a bit more of a decent time? Well, anyway, <laughs> let's talk about the true history of the Kelly Gang, which I went to see uh, a couple of weeks ago, not at 10 o'clock in the morning. I went to see it after work one day. Um, first of all, we have to say it's a misleading title for the film. Um, it's based on the novel of the same name, and it's a fictionalised version of events, <laughs> which... I, did, I didn't know. I didn't know. And the first question I asked Lucy when I got home was, did they actually wear dresses? I didn't know. Didn't really know the story of um, the, the Kelly gang I've at all. I've seen the film with Heath Ledger as Ned Kelly, which I imagine is very less truthful than this. I've, I've not, apparently not seen any films about Ned Kelly. I wanted to see that. I thought that will be easy to pick up in a charity shop or CEX. I have not been able to find a copy of it. What I was 99% convinced I would not be able to get a copy of is the Mick Jagger one. But I have been told um, with some authority that it's one of the worst films ever made and that Mick Jagger does... Mick Jagger as Ned Kelly. Yes, does an appalling Australian accent. Any road up, so I didn't get to see either of those. But I have seen um, 
true history of the Kelly gang, not true history. It stars um, George McKay, obviously, that we know from 1917. Apparently, the two films were released on the same day in Australia. Little interesting fact there. It's also got Nicholas Holt, Charlie Charlie Hunnam and Russell Crowe rocks up in it. Charlie Hunnam in it? Yes. What accent has he plumped for in this film? His regular northerny one, I think. His if weird, I recall. His weird accent. <clears throat> I believe the director's girlfriend plays Ned Kelly's mum in this film. But I could be making it up. I could have been reading it somewhere else. Um, I have heard that the reason... Because I was expecting this film to come out a bit earlier than it did. And I felt like I was seeing trailers for it for quite a long time before it actually came out. And apparently it was... The release date was put back, not because of coronavirus, but because actually people were saying the film wasn't very good. Oh, right, okay. That's just what I've been told by some people who know some people who are in with, you know, the film crowds. Um, Now, I know we do talk about how long films are on here because Terry and I do sometimes find long films tedious. And this one, I have to say, very much falls into that category. It came in just over two hours long, but I felt like I was in that cinema for way longer than Mm. that. It was... The word I've used on here to describe it, and it's possibly not the right word, I've said it's slow and steady with its storytelling, and it's almost whimsical. But that might be to do with the dresses. I couldn't quite get my head around that. It was just so... It ambled along at such a slow pace... And there were people yawning out loud in the screening that I was at. It mm-hmm. was I've, It was almost as if they put 30 people in a room to see how bored they could get them. Um, and I think I was one of the people yawning out loud at one point and not even, like, realising it. I went with my mum and I feel really bad because I said to her, oh, mum, I really want to watch this for the pod. And she was like, oh, I'll come with you because we just finished work together. And then I'll, after, like, two hours, she was just like... Yeah, I don't think that one's going to be making any of my good lists of the year. Basically, from the trailers, I was expecting it to be a lot more violent than it was. I thought it was going to be a very violent film. I remember us seeing trailers for it, being like really pumped for it and being like, oh yeah, that looks amazing, that looks amazing. No. Very slow, very steady. I wanted pumped all the action into the trailer. I wanted a lot more violence than there was. Um, I'm really, really sorry. I did not enjoy this film at all. It was just incredibly dull, in my opinion. And as good good friend of the Cine World gang, Tim always says, worst thing a film can be is boring, and I have, I have to agree with him. I would rather watch a shit film than a boring one. Yeah. And that two hours felt like about five hours. Mm. Very disappointing because... But George McKay is really good in it. All the actors in it are really good. I really love Nicholas Holt. Like, really, really love him. Um, I liked his character. They all basically play arseholes. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just didn't do it for me. Didn't do it for me one bit. But, anyway, based on that film, before either of us had seen it and I decided that I didn't like it, we decided that we were going to talk about gangs yeah. for the pod, didn't we? So, Terry, my question for you is... What is a gang? Oh, you've put me on the spot there. Um, If only I'd had some time to prep. Um, So, for me, I think there are different variations, but for me, when I was looking at what films to watch for a gang film for this topic, I was defining a gang as a group of people who hung out together because they liked hanging out together. They haven't been forced to be together, so for me that ruled out like army films or cowboy films because they're often thrust together. Because at one point I considered the Final Destination films as well because they're like gangs. But again, they're forced together by what happens in Final Destination. So it's primarily friends who are together and get into scrapes, essentially. That's what I've gone for as gangs. Not gangsters, not mobsters. Groups of friends hanging out in a gang. Can I can I throw in my yeah you've watched top gang films top all day haven't you worth, gangsters worth. um no we did say from the get go we weren't going to do gangster films and we both know what what we mean by gangster films don't yeah. we um the meaning of gang that I've gone for is a group of people who 
have the same goal. Okay. Yeah, so they're not necessarily together because they want to be together. They're together because they've got a mission or a goal or they've got the same ideals. So pretty much what you said you weren't going for (laughs) is exactly what I've gone for. Um, So, yeah, this will be interesting. I think we're going to... I doubt there'll be any crossovers. One, One question I do have for you, though, because my... One of my films, I sort of, I've got, I've got a substitute in case you think it doesn't fit into the category, but, um, because I've got a group of people that are do have the same mission, but they're related. So, if family are sort of forced together, mm. can we class them as a gang? Because they didn't know each other. They didn't know each other. No. Maybe when we get to whatever it is your bio watch where you've been, you can say it. And I just wondered can... if if that I don't one's, think if that one's negated because it's family. No, because you still because you wouldn't class them as a gang; you'd class them as family. But I think because of the the nature of the film. Yeah, I think you could still call a family unit a gang. I think it depend on how they are. Because if you think of like I don't know. I can't think of a film, but can't I can't think of have, any films with I can family imagine and... a film where there would be like they would be like a bit of a gang rather than. I mean, it's a quite bad job, but like Lost in Space, you could almost possibly say that's a bit gangy because they're off on an adventure together. Yeah, they've chosen to have that adventure together, so it yeah. is still gangy. Whereas if it's just, I don't know, like getting bad example, like the strangers where stuff's happening to them, they're not a gang; they're just a family trying to survive, kind of. Yeah. Thing. Well, we'll see what you think when. Yeah. When I talk about it, do you want to uh, lead us off then? I'll lead us off with, with your bye. with your bye. So I'm just going to prefix mine with a little bit. So there's a few films that I easily could have gone for, but I've ruled out a lot of films based on the fact that I've already used them on previous podcasts. Are they going to be in our notable mentions section at the end? We'll, we'll go with it then. But I'm just going to say, if anyone jumps out at what not. So for me, bearing that in mind, there was only one answer for my bye. I do own it, so it fits into the category perfectly. Yeah. And it is the 1986 film. 1986. I can't even, What is it? What is it? Stand By Me. Ah. Oh. So, I mean, I'm assuming anyone listening to a film po- it's podcast... It's over 30 has years old. I know. It's only two years younger than me. Um, so this is a film... It's almost like the archetype coming-of-age story. So you've got... These four young boys who are played by um, Will Wheaton, as he's pronounced in Family Guy, River Phoenix, Corey Feldman, and I always forget the other guy's name, Jerry O'Connell, who's the fat one who now isn't fat. He was in there. He's got one of my favourite more recent roles out of the lot of them. He's in Piranha 3D, where he gets his legs eaten. And he's just there. He's got like his little plastic skeleton legs. And he's going, ah! Um, so the four of them are a gang they're friends they have a tree house which I think is a proper thing for a gang oh, to yeah, have oh yeah yeah for sure um, and basically they find out there's a boy that's gone missing in the local area and they basically overhear one of their older brothers talking to Keith Sutherland's character who in this film is called Ace brilliant <laughs> Um, they overhear them talking and they know where this body is but they don't want to tell anyone because they don't want the police thinking it's anything to do with them so these four young boys I mean, I'm assuming they're meant to be sort of 10, 11 kind of an age in this um, they decide that they're going to go on an adventure and they're going to find this body so that they can I don't I, I think they think they might get a reward and they might be famous and they'll get in the papers because they found this body because he's been missing for a while and everyone's looking for him so they just they hatch a plan where Gordy's going to say that he's saying at Chris's. Chris is going to say he's saying at Gordy's. And like this massive thing, this thing they've got going on. Um, the main character is like Gordy, who is Will Wheaton, who is also played in. I was going to say the current time, but obviously it's not because it's all in the past. But Richard Dreyfus is him as a grown up. He's sort of recounting this story. Um, his brothers just. <coughs> Is he killed in an accident or has he gone to war? I can't remember. I think he's killed in an accident. He's played by John Cusack, of all people. Um, and his family have taken it very badly. We see lots of flashbacks of Gordy 
like at the funeral or talking to his brother and there's a bit of the funeral where I'm not sure if it's meant to have been what actually happened or it's what he thinks happened where his, his father turns to him and basically says why didn't you die why did he have to die he was the good son um so he's sort of battling that and sort of he's struggling with that we also see a little flashback where his brother gives him his baseball cap and then he's wearing the baseball cap at the start of the uh expedition and Keith Sutherland bastard a steals the hat off him and um he gives it to someone else and reading the trivia Keith Sutherland and the director both stated that he deliberately didn't put the hat on to show that he was a bastard who didn't take it because he wanted it he took it because he knew the kid wanted it and he wanted to be a bastard so he deliberately and the, the hat is never seen again they said it's probably because he threw it in the bin when they got around the corner and like the kid couldn't see it anymore because he didn't want it he just didn't want him to have it so essentially these four boys, they go off on an adventure and it starts off quite light-hearted. They end up, they go to the scrap heap where there's the dog that has been trained to sick bulls rather than just attacking people. And it's just like a lovely sort of story. It's them getting to know each other even more, having some scraps. There's a bit where they're running from a train across a bridge, which watching it back now... It's quite clearly green screen, <laughs> like they're running in front of a projection. But I can remember watching it when I was younger, like the heart in the mouth moment. Um, and yeah, there's there's bits with leeches. There's bits with um, uh, like a, an amazing story because Gordy is a writer, and he tells this story about this guy who enters a pie eating contest, and it's like this really random, sort of almost dreamlike sequence. Um, and yet, so, I mean, without going into too much more, so halfway through the film, Kiefer Sutherland finds out about the body and he decides that him and his gang are going to go and find the body. Another so that, gang? Yeah, so that they can be, like, the heroes. And it sort of becomes, although neither of them know about it, a race against time for them to beat each other to it and then what happens when those t- two gangs clash. But it's just such... It's just a lovely film. It's really nice. It's... It's inspiring. It's not like downbeat or horrible like most films are in these troubled times. Uh, obviously, got a great soundtrack, "Stand by Me" by Benny King, which was mine and Gemma's first dance at the we- at our wedding. Um, it was our first dance ever at our um, school disco. School disco, yeah. Cause that's when we got together, and it was our first ever dance. So, yeah, so, yeah. "Stand by Me," directed by Rob Reiner. Strange as well, which most people will probably. Perhaps realise what I don't realise. It's actually a Stephen King book as well. I knew that. Yeah, so a lot of people won't because obviously most people associate Stephen King with out and out horror, which there are, there are elements of horror in this. Obviously, they're they're stalking a dead body. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I just really like the film. I watched it obviously in the run up to the podcast. I remembered really enjoying it, but I just it's just such a nice film, and about ninety six minutes. I went to see. Um... Uh, movie marathon the prince charles the films that inspired stranger things and this was one of the films and yeah. it was my favorite film of the marathon I mean, there were other films like goonies were playing for example yeah. but i've seen goonies more times than i can count but i hadn't seen stand by me since i'd first seen it mm. um and it was definitely my favorite film of the night it is really really amazing i think i seem to recall we had a really good copy of it as well so i think it was like really crisp on the big screen yeah it's had a remaster fairly recently I yeah because it came out on remastered blu-ray because i yeah. I, th- I definitely thought about buying it after seeing it on the big screen but i'm not entirely sure i did um yeah good show i really really love that film um so i was for me the the subject of gangs was proving to be incredibly broad Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was there's so many different ways we could go. With it. I could totally go for that kind of film, um, but because of the the Ned Kelly film, the title of which I the history, true history of the Ned Kelly gang. Because of that, I decided to go down the outlaw route, mm-hmm. gangs of outlaws, which then led me off into different paths. Because you'll see that one of my films has got outlaws in it, and the other two, maybe not. Um, and my buy, which I loved so much, that I was actually getting excited about going home and watching it again after talking about it because I want to see it again. I've gone for Tombstone as my buy. Um, just Wait, because is that I really, really love the it. The Kurt Russell. The Kurt Russell one, yeah. Is that Val Kilmer as well? Yes. 
One of so, his finest roles. Yes, that. yes, it is. So I am loving Val Kilmer in this film. Like, so, so good. But anyway, let's we'll talk about that in a second. Tombstone, if you didn't know, is um, Kurt Russell playing Wyatt Earp. And essentially the film starts, he's, he's retired. Yeah. He's going to retire to Tombstone. He's cleaned up Dodge. Brilliant. He's cleaned up Dodge and he's retiring to Tombstone with his two brothers and their wives. So you've got the three brothers, their three wives, and they're just going to like chill, take it easy. They get there. Their friend Doc Holliday is there, who is Val Kilmer, yeah. in a star turn. It's worth watching Tombstone just for Val Kilmer. He is You get some bad so rap down because you made a lot of humor, but Val Kilmer is actually a very good actor when he, when he puts it on. It's so he's so good in this, um, but we're not here to talk about Doc Holliday. We're here to talk about gangs, but Doc Holliday is in the gang. Um, so yeah, they they re- they're retired or he's retired and they just want to like chill. Um, but the film opens. I said it just opens with him retiring. Um, we meet the baddies, if you like, the bad gang who are called the Cowboys, and they basically gate crash a wedding kill the groom, kill the priest, kill some guests, and then all sit around and eat the meal at the wedding. Like, a complete bunch of bastards. That, mm. They just do it. They're just doing it. Yeah. Because they like to cause trouble. Like Kiefer Sutherland's ace. They're just just terrible, terrible people. Um, and they're identified by their red sashes that they wear. So they go galloping into towns and things with their red sashes and um, just wreak havoc and they're just awful so the the erp brothers are you know having a lovely time enjoying their retirement with their friend doc holiday and they're doing a bit of drinking a bit of gambling and all of this but then and they go they're watching plays and stuff but then the cowboys turn up in tombstone and they're just they're just being dicks and no one's really getting on and it's they're just like winding each other up and stuff so then we have essentially they and and they want Wyatt Earp to be the sheriff of the town, but he doesn't want to do that because he's retired. So his mm. brother, Virgil, does it. So the brothers are all play played by Sam Elliott and Bill Paxton. So Virgil, Sam Elliott, he becomes the yeah. sheriff. So after a bit of back and forth between the Earp brothers and the Cowboys, we've got the um, gunfight at the OK Corral. Yeah which, you know, has been documented in lots and lots of films, but I think in lots of films, that's the kind of grand finale. Yeah. But in this film, it's like right in the middle, and then everything starts ramping up. So I was enjoying this film up until it gets to this gunpoint, gunfight, and it's got the brilliant bit where um, Val Kilmer winks at the guy just before he shoots. Oh, God, it's just so good. It's so cheeky, just like swaggers over and like winks. Oh, it's so, so good. Um <laughs> But this is really when the film, I think, gets started. It's just mm. after this gunfight because their feud, the feud between the two gangs, if you like, is like really coming to a head. One of the brothers gets shot. So Virgil gets shot. He loses the use of his arm. And then one of the cowboys actually shoots and kills the other brother, whose name is, I want to say, Morgan. Yeah. Um on the way to the funeral. So they've had funerals for a few of the cowboys that have died. And then they have this funeral for Morgan. And on the way to the funeral, Wyatt Earp stops and says to the head cowboy, this is it, we're done now. We killed a few of your guys. You've killed my brother. This is it, we're done. Yeah? And off he trots. But it's all a ruse, Terry. It's all a ruse. <laughs> right? Oh, I was buzzing watching this. So I they, really um, want to put it on now and watch it. Some of the names. Oh, my God. I just loved it so much. So it looks like Wyatt Earp is leaving with Virgil and the, the three wives, because don't forget, we still got a wife belonging to the dead brother. Yeah. It looks like they're leaving. I've had enough. They're like, no, Tombstone hasn't worked out for us. We're going to leave. So they're getting on the train. But some of the cowboys turn up at the train station... And they're, they're pointing their gun at Virgil. They're going to start kicking off again, even though they've said no, no more. But Wyatt Earp knows what they're up to, so he's waiting for them. And he's just like, no, Virgil, go. Take the women. You go, you go, and I'll follow you. So he stays behind 
with Doc Holliday with Sherman McMasters, who was a member of the Cowboys, but it's kind of like defected. Texas Jack Vermillion and Turkey Creek Jack Johnson, who we meet right at the start of the film, who were having a bit of bance with guns. Um, so the, the five of them are then like, fuck these cowboys, we're going after them, we're going to get them all. And then you've got like the two gangs against each other. Um, Sherman McMasters is killed by the cowboys because he, he used to be one of them. And funnily enough, because they're all identified by the red sashes, he's still wearing an element of red, even though he's now riding with the other gang. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? And then it just becomes like an out-and-out like gang war between cowboys and Wyatt Earp and his men. And it is brilliant. It is so, so good. I won't tell you who wins and, you know, who dies. Well, I've just told you that one of them died. Um, but, yeah, really, really, really good mm. outlaw slash gang film. No, no, I do want to watch it again now you've spoken about it. I forgot. I just remember Doc Holliday, obviously Val Kilmer being so good. Because this is... This film came out, remember, years ago when a studio would release a film and a studio would release a very similar film. So you had, like, um, Deep Impact and Armageddon. Tombstone came out the same year as a film called Wyatt Earp, starring Kevin Costner as Wyatt Earp. So... And Dennis Quaid as Doc Holliday. So, yeah, so I've I've said so, so many times. Originally, I wanted to watch the Ned Kelly films, and I was thinking, right, there's, there's, there's been lots of Ned Kelly films made but obviously there's one that I've just watched we've got the Heath Ledger one and we've got the Mick Jagger one yeah thinking I can watch those three and probably do a buy watch bin on those yeah actually from what I've heard about the Mick Jagger one and the fact I don't like the new one there's probably two in the bin there I'll give you this the Heath Ledger one not very good okay so bin 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 there (laughs) because I couldn't get any of those I'll then obviously I'd watch Tombstone which is like oh my god I'm buzzing on this white Earp fella oh we'll get the uh, I'll get the Kevin Costner one but everything I've read about that is that that's, that's a stinker as well. Yeah, it's, I think it suffered because of how good Tombstone was and they did come out at the same time. Um, I think Tombstone is just... So Tombstone came out in 1993. Now, I'm, I love a Western anyway. I, I do generally like Westerns. I've, the old ones, the very old ones, can be a bit tricky to get along with. They're a little bit clunky and, you know very racist for most yeah. part um but i like i like the gore and the the filth and the dirt of the new ones i think new mm. westerns are like can or can be really good they're all not always really good but there's such a something about this one it's got the right amount of dirt in it mm. but at the same time it's got a slight bit of polish as well yeah so that they all look a little bit too clean like the good guys look a little bit too clean mm. do you know what i mean but there's the there's the right amount of filth in it as well. But yeah, Doc Holliday definitely he looks very sickly in this, doesn't he? Yeah, he's I mean got he is TB, very sick, isn't he? Yeah. So when he uh, when the doctor comes to see him, he says he's missing something like sixty percent of his lung tissue. But he won't he won't stop the Maybe drinking. Maybe in any case of coronavirus, he won't stop the drinking, the smoking, the gambling, and the thing that he does with his woman friend. I can't remember how the doctor phrased it, but it was something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really, really. But yeah, good. early nineties Val Kilmer was was top Val Kilmer. It's what got him Batman. It actually was, I think. Probably, yeah. No, I actually think it was. We'll review that. Well, maybe we'll put a note in when we post uh, this clip up. I actually think that is what got him Batman. Anyway, on you go. What's your watch, Terry? So my watch. So there was a couple that this could have been. Um, and I plumped for the one that I plumped for because it was the first time I'd watched it. I really enjoyed it, but I think it fits his category because I don't think I'll ever watch it again, but I did thoroughly enjoy it. it was, it's on Netflix. It is the film Going In Style, which is a remake of a film called Going In Style. I didn't actually know that. Um, so, yeah, so it's, I think it's a remake of a French film from oh. Yonks ago. Uh, so it's directed by Zach Brath as well, who you may remember as um, JD from Scrubs. Um, I didn't know that either. I knew he played JD in Scrubs. Uh, yeah, directed. Um, yeah, he, he did. Cause he did Garden State while he was in Scrubs, which which is a yeah. very good film. Apart from the that. fact it very prominently features Lost Profits song. Oh dear! So it's, it's not aged well. Um, luckily, this does not have that. Uh, so going in style, it's there seems to have been a bit of a 
flurry of these kind of films where it's like comedies and stuff but with an older cast obviously there was Last Vegas which had like De Niro Kevin Kline uh, this film has got Michael Caine Morgan Freeman and Alan Arkin so I mean I imagine the average age is probably 70 if it's a day between those three and they play Joe Willie and Albie amazing I know someone who's got a cat called Albie but yeah cl- classic names so essentially the film opens with Michael Caine's Joe going to the bank because um, his mortgage payments have gone up and he wants to know what's going on. And essentially we meet this bank guy and he's basically a massive bell end. And he's like, oh yeah, you, you had the teaser rate, so it's ended now. And he's like, but you didn't explain it to me. And he's going, oh no, I did. Yeah, but you didn't explain it properly. And during the course of this meeting where we clearly defined that the bank, I don't know if he's a manager or just a teller, is a massive cock. The bank gets robbed. Um, some guys come in with machine guns. Um, Michael Caine just like, oh, take my wallet, take my wallet. He's like, no, 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 I don't want your money. I want their money. And Michael Caine goes, oh, he's being an ass. Like he's not giving like my mortgage is fucked. And so the robber takes his wallet, and the guy pisses himself as well, just just for some added embarrassment. <laughs> um, so anyway, these three guys, they've known each other for a long time. They're all they're all drawing their pensions. They all work for the same steel company. Um, and they go to, there's some some sort of meeting's been called at the steel factory they used to work at. And they basically get told that the steel factory is is moving moving its premises out of country. And as a consequence, their pension is essentially getting stopped because they, know, because they won't be based in the US anymore. They don't have any obligations to pay out. So the three of them are like, well, like, how are we going to live? Um, Michael Caine starts thinking that maybe we should rob a bank that seems quite easy those guys got away with a lot of money like we won't be greedy we'll just take enough they work out how much their pensions would have been and they're like if we just take that much we won't be greedy uh, Morgan Freeman's Willie is a bit like oh, I don't know like maybe I will maybe I won't Alan Arkin's Albie is like no don't be fucking stupid like we're in our 70s we're not going to rob a bank Um essentially Willie and Joe start doing it anyway and they have a dry run where they try and rob a um, supermarket. Not like at gunpoint, just to try and steal some things. For some reason, Morgan Freeman's Willie decides that he's going to try and steal a loin of pork. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Michael Caine's character just put like cans of ham down his top. But some, I mean, cans, cans are different, but some in some supermarkets, I think Marks and Spencer's, the meat is tagged. Oh yeah, that no, more expensive now, yeah. meat. Yeah. Um, well, the, the added jeopardy of the loin of pork is that he had to ask for it at the counter, and they like wrapped it up for him, <laughs> and they. <laughs> and it sounds stupid, but watching it the way it's done, it is truly funny. It ends with Michael Caine stealing someone's mobility scooter, Morgan Freeman ending up sat in the basket like ET, and a a rate a chase down the road where they're on this scooter and they're being chased on foot by a security guard. <laughs> And it's just so silly, but just... You know when it's just nice comedy? You know, like a lot of comedies, the comedy is derived by taking the piss out of someone or someone being an idiot or being mean. This is all just really nice, polite humour. So after this, because obviously Albie, although he doesn't want to do it and he's not meant to do it, he obviously gets in, like, he gets brought in for it. The manager of the supermarket basically just says, just, just go away. Like, I'm not going to press charges, like... Just leave it. They they go for their regular breakfast on a Wednesday at this place and they basically read in the paper that the bank that they were going to rob is actually somehow involved in the steel mill and they're them losing their pension. Hmm. So when Albie finds out about this, he's like, fuck it, we're going for it. Let's do this bank. So they then, the three of them decide that they're going to rob this bank. They're in their 70s. They've never done anything illegal before in their lives. And then the film is basically them training to be robbers attempting this robbery and then sort of what happens is there a training montage there is not a training montage as such no um but it's just as i say it's just a really nice film the three of them work really well with like really nice chemistry because they're obviously taking the piss out of each other christopher lloyd's in it in a very in a small role they they like help out there's a it's almost like a sort of not an old people's home but like um, like a day centre or something they go to and they help out with things there and Christopher Lloyd is in charge but he's like an idiot he's like really deaf really stupid and he's it's just 
it's just a really nice film. I really enjoyed it. Again, it's only about 90 minutes. It's just one that you can easily pop on, just sit and enjoy. And I say, I don't think I'll ever go back to it, or if I do, it'll be in a couple of years' time. But I really enjoyed it. It's got a nice, nice story. And yeah, just, I really like Michael Caine as an actor. I really like Morgan Freeman as an actor. And I really like Alan Arkin as an actor. Because when I was looking up about this after I'd watched it, I was like, oh yeah, because Alan Arkin, he won the Oscar for Little Miss Sunshine. Do you know when Little Miss Sunshine came out? It was a while ago. 2006. Little wow. Miss Sunshine is 14 years old. Wow. Crazy. It's a lovely film. That's, again, yeah, another lovely film, but which that could possibly fit into your family gang thing because that is very much a gang thing because it's the family going off to try and sort out the little girl's dream, isn't it? I've, I consider that more a family film. Yeah, I was going to say, possibly. But yeah, so yeah, going in style. It's on Netflix. It's just... Again, just a really nice watch. It's not, it's not going to make you change like your life outlook or anything like that. But you'll have a lovely ninety odd minutes. Is, is there a name or a phrase for the these kind of comedy films that have older actors in? I don't think so. I mean, I I not that I'm aware of. I say there have been quite a few. Because say Last yeah. Vegas, I actually quite liked as well. Um, I mean, Red's not quite that age group, but that's obviously older yeah. sort of action film. Because I would... Oh, I um, guess you've got, like, the best exotic Marigold Hotel and stuff like that, haven't you? They probably fit into that category. Yeah, but I don't, I don't class that as a comedy as such. Because I have to say, I, I might give it a watch now that you've said that you think it's worth a watch. But I have to say, those kinds of films don't appeal to me at all and I would that category of like the the groups of the older actors yeah. together but in a sort of like comedy so this thing it's, just I always find it's not a bit like cringy. it's trying to be an out and out comedy okay it's I mean I don't think you could say it's a drama with comedy bits in it I don't think they're tr- they're not playing it is it a comedy it. with drama bits in it yeah I mean because like obviously the scenario of three old men trying to rob a bank but it's not like it's... I wouldn't say it's played for laughs and like it's a, oh God, it's three geriatrics trying to rob a yeah. bank. It's a bit more serious than that. But yeah, I don't think you could quite call it a drama. But yeah, no. I mean, when I was reading up about it, reading other reviews, a lot of people said like it's a very average film raised up to sort of just above average. Or some people said it was raised to average by the three actors. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean... They, one thing I read they were referred to as octogenarians, so I don't know if it's an octogenarian film I or I think octogenarians means they're in their 80s. In their 80s, yeah. But, yeah, I'm sure there probably is a, a turn of phrase for it. As we've been discussing all afternoon, all evening, there's there's lots of words that mean things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nicely put there, Terry. Uh, what's your watch then, Sonia? Well, going on the same, you know, feel-good uh, feeling of... Saw. Your film. I'm going with uh, Bone Tomahawk. Fucking hell. Now, <laughs> the reason I've chosen this as my watch... Honestly, if we wrote our films on a bit of paper and said to someone, pick the theme, they wouldn't think we had the same theme. No, that's why, that's why, I, why I said at the start, the theme of gangs is so bloody broad. Um, and I feel like our definition of gangs... This, this we is maybe should have loose, discussed so... this before we picked no, no, our no. I like the fact that we, we did discuss gangs and it encompassed all the things that we've talked about. We've just taken very different paths. Yeah. Um, now, I, I didn't intentionally pick two films with Kurt Russell in, but here we go. Here's another Fabulous film. Fabulous moustache in Bone Tom. Here, oh, good grief. Here's another film with uh, Kurt, Kurt Russell in the lead. And the reason I've chosen this as my watch, I think Bone Tomahawk's really good. I don't think I want to watch it again, though. Um... This actually gave me the Wiggins a little bit and, you know, there's not much that puts me off, but... It is quite sort of yeah. graphically but when, gruesome, when we t- When we talk about the gang that that made me pick this film, then, yeah, I don't want to watch them again. So, Kurt Russell plays Sheriff Hunt in a town called Bright Hope. Uh, that's lovely, isn't it? It's, the, it's the, only, the only bright thing about the film. Um, the film starts, or we see um, two two guys, two ne'er do wells. They've they've robbed and killed some guys, and they end up disturbing an ancient burial ground. And one of the guys gets uh, killed, 
um, and the other one manages to escape, but we don't see who killed them. And he ends up making his way to Bright Hope, um, causing trouble there. I think he was stealing and he he ends up in the local jail, but he needs the attention of a doctor. Now, the doctor is drunk when they call the doctor, so the doctor's assistant goes. The doctor's assistant is Patrick Wilson's wife, and he's the rancher. He's broken his leg, he's got his leg up in a very basic cast because not sure when the film is set but not present day <laughs> um so you know it's a it's a functional but basic um splint not cast splint on his leg um so his wife goes off to tend to this guy who had disturbed the ancient burial ground and it becomes apparent after a while that they're missing someone mm. has broken into the jail and take taken them so people aren't too worried about the the criminal who's gone missing um but they are worried about the rancher's wife and they want to get her back so the sheriff along with his deputy and a local gunslinger decide they're going to go off and find her but patrick wilson with his broken leg insists on coming along um so this is the first gang that we're going to talk about. So these four, so as we were saying, they're not friends, but they they put they they're together for the for the common mm. purpose. The common cause is to to get Patrick Wilson's wife back. Um, you know, there's arguing, there's bickering. Patrick Wilson is being, you know, he obviously is very desperately worried about his wife, but he's holding them up so much because what happens is. Um, one of the horses gets killed and the others get stolen, I think. So mm. they, they have to finish the journey on foot because he's got this broken leg. He's holding them up terribly. The others get very frustrated. Um, so although he's very appreciative and grateful for what they're doing, he's also getting very frustrated with the situation because he can't do as much as he wants to do. Mm-hmm. Tensions are high, shall we say. Um, they, they They don't really know what they're going to come up against and who might have his wife. But when they do realise and meet the gang who have kidnapped his wife, it is a gang of cannibals. And they're just horrific. I mean, I don't know what's going on with those things in their throats, but it it's one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen. So they do... They don't talk, they make these kind of like grunt noises at each other to communicate, but they kind of do this howl, don't they? You mm. have seen it, haven't you? I saw it when it came out, which I think it's got to be a good few oh, years so old now. 2015 yeah. for Bone Tomahawk. So, um, did it have a theatrical release? Because I only remember it coming out on DVD. No, I think it was a straight... Uh, because I don't know if you're going to mention this, but the director went on to make... Brawl in Cellbox 99, which is one of our favourite films. I didn't actually know that. And that was direct-to-DVD, so I think he is a sort of... I but, think because of the level of gore, it tends to be direct-to-DVD, doesn't it? Yeah, but don't you think this would look amazing oh, yeah, on a cinema screen? But, yeah, so these cannibals have this way of communicating where they kind of, for want of a better word, they kind of howl at each other, but they make this bizarre, like whistling slash screeching noise and I couldn't work out what was going on but it's almost as if they've got like teeth in their throat isn't it do you remember I I can't quite I I remember that they didn't really talk but I can't really remember the noise there's something there's something going on and it's not like that I'm assuming it's it's not genetics they have they haven't mutated to be like this I'm assuming that they're taken from victims and they've somehow put them in themselves Mm. um and there's a scene where patrick wilson's character manages to kill one of them and he rips this thing out of his throat and it honestly made me feel it was it made me feel queasy Mm. and as as i've got older i have been able to take a bit less gore than i used to but this really was turning my stomach. I don't know why, but these cannibals, the way they did them, the way they looked, the way they sounded, just the very idea of them. I've seen loads of shit cannibal films. Cannibals don't scare me or freak me out or anything like that. I don't believe that what I'm seeing on screen, they're actually eating humans. But these cannibals on this film, 
oh my god, I believe they're eating people. Yeah. It was grim. So this is the gang that they're up against. So we've got the Kurt Russell gang, hey Kurt Russell, up against the gang of cannibals. I think this is a top, top notch film. I think it's it's a Western, very, very sort of, um, it's definitely a Western. You could say there's horror, horror elements in it as mm. well. Um, but this is really, really good. This is the kind of modern, gritty, nasty Western that I like. It's not out and out Western because it has got that horror element in it. But this was proper grit that I was after. And that gang, that gang, ugh. I mean, I like the gang that came together to save the wife. I'm not going to tell you if they did save the wife or not. But that gang of cannibals, oh my God. Would you cross the street to avoid them? Well, yeah, I would if I knew they were cannibals, um, obviously. But with the teeth in the throat would probably give it away. And, you know, the the blood and what have you. Um, It says on IMDb they were troglodytes, but I don't know what that word means. So No, I've I've heard the word, but I wouldn't know what it means. So I went with cannibal instead. Um, I don't know if it's on Netflix or Amazon or anything like that, because I do actually own it. So technically, you could say it comes under my buy, but I bought it with the purpose of watching it. I hadn't seen it before. Um, was it a Kexa, was it? No, it wasn't. I bought it in a shop called HMV. They uh, used to do a DVD deal, two for £10, and I picked it up then. But, you know, I don't know if they still do that deal or not. <coughs> anyway. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Um... It's actually given me a little bit heartburn thinking about that film. <laughs> That'll be my bit of human coming up that I consumed earlier. Um, Terry, what are you throwing in your bin? So, bin... So, this was the first one that I knew. So <clears throat> we've been talking for, like, the last week about... Because I was like, are there any particular ones you want? Which, evidently, we we never needed to worry <laughs> about that. Considering you decided that you were doing a Western theme. No, <laughs> um, I decided to go for Outlaws. Um... But yeah, I knew my bin very early on. I haven't watched it specifically for the podcast. I watched it when it was released and thought it was a steaming pile of shit. Uh, it's the film Six Underground, which is a Netflix original, directed by Michael Bay, starring Ryan Reynolds in the lead, which on, oh, yeah. on paper, obviously you know it's not going to be a like an Oscar-winning emotive film, but... I like Ryan Reynolds and I like the batshit of Michael Bay, like The Rock, etc. This is just an absolute turgid piece of shit. So Ryan Reynolds <laughs> plays a rich, rich, rich man. He's, I think he was, like, he was an inventor and he, he's made his money. He th- fakes his death because he wants to basically save the world. So he fakes his death and he hires five other people. So there are six of them. Um, What's the film called? I've forgotten already. Six Underground. Okay. Um, and they only know each other by their numbers so that they don't become attached. So he's number one. Of course there's a he two, is. There's a Who's three. Who's number two? I can't remember any of the other people. Is it equivalent it, to, to Mr. Brown? No. I don't think they even make that joke. Um, is it meant to be funny? Yeah, it's like a proper sort of action, OTT action comedy. But it's just so stupid you don't, you can't, oh, just... Are you getting annoyed? Yeah, you know, because I say, I wasn't expecting a brilliant film, but Ryan Reynolds doesn't tend to make utter shit, other than when he delves into the rom-coms, but he hasn't made one of them for a while. And say, Michael Bay, you just know it's going to be OTT, but it's just that I... Because it's one of those things where he deliberately sets up, he deliberately gives people numbers, so I think there's only five of them to start with, and then we see them in action on a mission, and he's basically deciding what these missions are. He's bankrolling it. And in the opening mission, someone dies and he has to go and get number six. But the opening mission you see from five different points of view. So you see his point of view, then you see someone else's point of view. So it's a bit bit samey. And it is just very, very, very early on, They you have the obvious plot point where the others other than Ryan Reynolds just start talking to each other and like, well, my name's so-and-so. And he's like, no, 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 that's not what we do. And he's like... Someone's stuck up the top of a um, skyscraper and he's like, right, let's go. And they're like, well, no, we've got to go and get him. He's like, no, you all knew the deal. You, 
if you get left behind, you get left behind. And they're like, no, you can't do that. We have to go back and get them. And it just very quickly becomes this sort of sugary guns for hire bollocks thing. But yeah, I just, I think it's about two hours. It's a Netflix original and it's, it's probably my most disappointing Netflix original because like I say, on paper, it's right up my alley. (laughs) I might might have one to challenge you for that. Okay. Um, But yeah, I would not recommend anyone watch it. Even if you're a fan of Ryan Reynolds, you're a fan of Michael Bay. I think it's the worst film both of them have made. And when you bear in mind that Michael Bay has made the Transformers films, three, four and five. Yeah, three, four and five. One and two. One brilliant. Two okay, but Mm. a bit long. Three, four and five. The... The, from some delusional mind of utter bollocks. Um, Bumblebee, though, the new one, very good. Um, I'll pick that up in a charity shop for a quid. Well, Bumblebee? Yeah. I really like Bumblebee. I saw it at the cinema because you've got that five minutes where they act, where you're on Cybertron and it actually looks like the cartoon. And that, like, I think I saw it with Steve at the cinema and we proper geeked out about that. Um, but yeah, Six Underground, utter shit, don't watch it. It's interesting you picked a film called Six Underground because... Uh... I've picked, I've picked a film with six in the title for my bin, and it's a Netflix original. So Adam Sandler. Just right. So I thought, here we go. Here's a play on words of the Magnificent Seven, right? Ridiculous Six. Oh, See, this is. The I don't re- even want to listen to you talk about how shit it is. Um. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I was asking about. Like, can I include family? Because if I can't have this, then I'm going to put the the true story of the Ned Kelly gang in okay. in my bin. I'm sorry, that was that was boring. But and I I have always said that boring's worse than shit. But in this case, shit is worse than boring. So Netflix original, 2015. Yeah. Um, Adam Sandler plays an outlaw, apparently. But he discovers he has five half-brothers. And the story is, is that they all come together to find their wayward father. So that's why I class them as a gang rather than a family. Because they didn't know each other existed. Yeah, yeah they'd, they'd be a gang for me. Because it's people coming yeah. together for a common goal. So the first thing... Well, no, the big, the big issue with this film... And an issue was made of it when it was um, made, apparently. But, I mean, within minutes of the film being on I was just like oh is this going to carry on like this is the portrayal of the Native Americans so Adam Sandler's character dresses as one he's not one he's been brought up by Native Americans and he's going to marry a Native American lady but some of the jokes and some of the names are so cringy it's like toe curlingly awful Dan would have kittens watching this honestly he would just be like what the fuck is this I would. So the first five minutes, I'm just wincing at the telly, thinking, "Is it going to be like this for like two hours?" It wasn't, but it is bad. Now this is part of a four-film deal that Adam Sandler's got with Netflix. Yeah. Apparently, no one else wanted it. I don't think Netflix wanted it, but they decided to pick it up as part of this deal. Have you? Do you know who who's in it? No. Some of the stats I've got for this film is just a joke. So, essentially, he finds out he's got five half-brothers. They all come together to find to find the dad. And they go off. They know where he... So, the dad has hidden some money somewhere. Some bad guys are going to get the money. So, they decide to go to this place to get the money for their dad. Yeah? So, the, they all sort of, like, gang up together to go. These are the brothers, right? Adam Sandler, Terry Crews... He's got a black mum. He tells them that. He says, my mother's black in case like none of you realised that yeah. I was part black, which is, that was kind of amusing. George Garcia, who I think has mainly done TV stuff, Taylor Lautner, Rob Schneider, and Luke Wilson. Um, you know, they're not, they're not little names mm. or anything. I even recognise that George Garcia, even though... I didn't really reckon, like, I knew the TV programmes he'd been on, but I hadn't watched any of them. Harvey Keitel crops up. Nick Nolte plays the dad. Uh, John Lovitz is in it. Danny Trejo's in it. Steve Buscemi's in it. Vanilla Ice pops up at some point. And that Blake Shelton, or Sheldon, whatever his name is, the country singer, he's in it at some point. Um, here's another interesting fact. This film apparently cost £60 million to make. 
60 million. The Hateful Eight cost 44 million. What? I bet most of what? that was Adam Sandler's salary. Christ almighty. Um, all that money spent and all those actors and, I don't, you know, I don't know if Vanilla Ice can act or whatever, but there's a lot of actors in there that that do good stuff and what it was it was terrible it was really bad um i had to force myself to finish it i just wanted to give up i thought i can watch half of this and know it's going in the bin but i persevered with it i stuck with it to see if it could raise our i did laugh once um a donkey did a fart now you know me <laughs> If there's going to be a fart or a poo joke, I'm going to laugh at yeah, it. Yeah, that's your level. So a donkey did a fart when it farted. It sharted. I laughed at that. Of course I'm going to laugh at that. Were there six occasions with donkeys farting? No. So it didn't get the six laughs that are required to make a film funny. It was a horrible, horrible, horrible film. Because It was just shit. Well, when the highlight of a film was a donkey sharting... <laughs> I would say Steve Buscemi is is probably the the best bit in it, and he's in it for minutes. Yeah, just a few minutes. Um, I didn't hate his scenes. I f- I found it offensive in parts. I really did. So apparently, some of the extras found some of the Native American scenes offensive, and so walked off set. But apparently it was something like four or five people out of hundreds and hundreds of extras. And so it was considered that's not enough people for us to make a fuss about it. I also don't like... It's just me. It just doesn't do it for me. I don't like the portrayal of, like, real, like, dumb characters. So you've got... Taylor Lautner plays this character like a bit of a... Like a hick, I think, is probably the best way to describe him. Um, even though for quite part, a good part of the film, he's like narrating part, not narrating it, but he's like writing letters to his mother. So, but they're making him out to be so stupid, but he's yeah. writing letters, you know, he's writing coherent, long letters to his mother. Um, but though the kind of portrayal of those kind of characters, I always find like really, Ooh, I'm not too keen on that either. It was just, it was like proper cringe comedy that I don't really go in for. Yeah. I don't really have a beef with Adam Sandler. Like some of his comedy, I find all right. I mean, the we- the wedding scene is one of my favourite films. Some of his comedy, I find a bit too so stuff like the Water Boy. I'm not keen on that kind of mm. thing. But I know a lot of people like really hate him. I would never not watch a film because Adam Sandler's in it. But this was a pile of pants, and given that. Uncut Gems is part of his four-film deal with Netflix. The very notion that... Is Uncut Gems part of his deal? I thought that was just (gasps) another film that happened to be on Netflix. I don't know. Because that got theatrically released as well, Uncut Gems, which none of the other Turge has. Okay, maybe that was something I misread. But I would say watch Uncut Gems and forget that you ever heard me mention The Ridiculous Six, because the very idea that that's the same person making films for Netflix, I cannot fathom it at all. Cannot fathom it. Within a couple of weeks, I've watched two Adam Sandler films that are the total opposite ends of the spectrum. We're not here to talk about Uncut Gems, but watch it. Don't watch Ridiculous Six. It's two hours of your life. You will never get back. Oh, I hate it. Rant over. Oh. Right, I don't like to end on a down note, so let's get to our notable mentions. I've got I've got some notable... I've done notable Bywatch bins. Okay. Only because if I didn't do it all based on out, like Outlaws, this is what I would have gone for. Okay, go on then. I would have gone for Mad Max 2. As my buy, obviously. The gang who've got the gasoline and the gang who want it. Um, and Reservoir Dogs. They would be mm. my they would be my two yeah, buys. Reservoir Dogs was in there for me, but so where I went with it being people that choose to be together, although they sort of choose, it is they are sort of thrust together, aren't they, by um nice guy. Yeah. Um 
watch could be anything like Goonies, Lost Boys, loads of films that we've talked about recently. It, you know, all those kind of mm. films, again, which would probably fall into my buy category. But regular listeners of the pod will know that Reservoir Dogs is one of my favourite films and Mad Max 2 is probably the film of my life. So um, they're, they're definitely my buys. Um, my bin, in all honesty, driving over here, I was thinking to myself, probably a film like the Red Films. So it's funny that you were talking about going yeah. in style because they're the kind of films that I would... I, I mean, quite like Red. I know so many people that didn't mind Red. When I watched it, I was just like, ooh, I did not like that at all. It just did nothing for me. But I've actually written here, I would put Sex in the City in the bin for being a gang of vacuous cunts. <laughs> Sorry for the use of the C word. But I, I remember watching well that... Well earned, well earned. I remember watching that film for... I can't remember what... Girl Power or whatever. I can't remember it. what the pod was, but really hating the Sex and the City film. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, you've mentioned all my notable mentions bar one. So, yeah, for me, possible buys could have been any of the... So, Chapter 1, Chapter 2, or the original, because that's... In my mind, that's, like, the proper gang that I had. Like, you got this gang of kids, which also, like, Goonies as well. They're, they're a gang. Um... And then another one that nearly made my watch, and again, it is a gang, Scooby-Doo. Totally. Scooby-Doo 1. Scooby-Doo 2 is a bit shit. Um, but watching them again, they're both on Netflix as well. They're just, they're just really fun. Both written by James Gunn, who obviously at the time no one knew who he was. But actually semi-decent special effects as well. Mm-hmm. It's all CG. There's one bit in the second one where Shaggy's head... Shaggy drinks a potion and he ends up with a woman's body but Matthew Lillard's head and the CG on it is so poor like the head is moving at a completely different pace to the rest of the body but um, mentioning Matthew Lillard is there been a better actor taking on a role Mm. than him as Shaggy because he is just phenomenal as Shaggy Um, I think Freddie Prinze Jr is a bit miscast as Fred like it's because he's got the same name Possibly reading up about it, he didn't want to do it, and Sarah Michelle Gellar talked him into it because obviously mm. they, they were a couple at that point in time as well. But no, I really like both of those. I I had a, a lovely time watching them. So yeah, I'd watch them. But yeah, pos- for me, it would probably have been my buy had I not already waffled on about that at some other point. Greece. Yeah. I'm just putting it out there. I'm yeah. thinking of gangs. And then other films I did. Os- think about as well but i didn't have it really fit like the oceans films they're sort of oh, i totally thought of the oceans films i we... thought about having those as my watch it's sort of a slightly different gang in my head to the gang i went with because i say it was going with that but yeah for me a heist film was always about a gang cause it's a gang of people i'm pretty sure if i had not gone down the outlaw slash cannibal route <laughs> um i'm i'm fairly confident that oceans 11 would have been mm. in my Probably my watch. Now you see me as well. That sort of um, heisty, magic-y. Oh, totally. But, but, but one film which um, quite a few people mentioned, and it, and I've, I do actually own a copy, and I've been lent a copy, but I have zero desire to watch it, is Warriors. <laughs> is that what it's called? The, the Warriors. Warrior? Yeah, The Warriors. Um, because that, apparently that's literally gang against gang. Yeah, but that's like gangs. That's not what I would never, have. But I've never had... I've watched it. I really didn't like it. Is it like it. knife gangs? Well, some of them are like dressed up like baseball players. Oh my God, I've totally forgotten the the one film that I did watch specially for it because never mentioned because I did Outlaws. Um, Boys in the Hood. Yeah? Yeah, so that one does deserve a mention because that is good. God, imagine if I'd gone the whole thing without mentioning that. Um, yeah, Boys in the Hood I really liked and that was actually the very first film I watched. Um, but then I watched Tombstone, and I'm sorry, but that's much more me. Oh yeah, that's I, much more I, me. I really, there's, if it wasn't the, for the fact that we're recording this quite late, I would probably be throwing Tombstone on when you leave. Um. So yeah, well, with the oh, but I did uh, oh, and Magnificent Seven for me. I did mention that, didn't I? Because mm. of Ridiculous Six. So I learned, I learned something whilst researching this pod. Um, when I rewatched Magnificent Seven. And it was one of those things, you know, when you have like a little light bulb moment, you're just yeah. like, oh my God, is I discovered where the term shotgun comes from. Or is that in Magnificent Seven? Well, I, d- I don't think it, I don't think they coined it, um, but it's, it's very, it was so apparent in it. Um, 
so you know when you you call shotgun to sit in the passenger seat of a car yeah it's when it comes from the old west when you used to have someone riding the carriage and the person sat next to them would carry a shotgun, a shotgun and it would be call it it would be called riding shotgun because you were, you, had you to literally were riding the, shotgun right, okay. and so now modern day we call shotgun and that means to sit beside the in driver the shotgun seat. yeah and um so steve mcqueen when he gets up on the thing he goes oh i never thought i'd be riding shotgun on a hearse and i was just like oh, of course riding shotgun he's literally riding shotgun so yeah um yeah because i if i hadn't have watched tombstone if I hadn't been like so madly in love with tombstone Magnificent Seven might have been... I might have had the two of them as my watch because yeah. I did like the remake as well. Mm. Um, yeah, and I thought that's that was, for me, the kind of gang that I was thinking of, that was the very definition of a gang coming together to, you know, for a common cause. Yeah. And all of that. I had fun with this. Yeah. I did start watching Young Guns as well, which is oh, a I thought about watching Young Guns. But- I was so bored and yeah. it didn't fit. I honestly turned it off halfway through and it didn't fit with my idea because I couldn't remember if they were like friends, but they're sort of not friends. Either. They've been pulled together by um, Terence Stamp's strange British Western guy. But um, yeah, very, very bad. Um, cool. So that's another one in the bag. Yeah. Right, social media stuff then. If you wanted to get in touch with us, we are... Theatrical Cut Pod on the Instagram, and you can email us at theatricalcut at gmail dot com. And on Facebook, just search Theatrical Cut. And the Mother Pod are T M T O O H on everything. Correct. Even the Twitter that we're not on anymore. Yeah. Now I was listening to one of their pods the other day, so I remember texting texting Dan part way through. Asking him a question about it, and I've totally forgotten what they were talking about. Well, as always, they've been uh, knocking them out quite a lot. They've done a Witcher one recently, which I haven't listened to yet because I. Have you not watched The Witcher? I've I've got about three episodes left. I was watching it, and then when we moved, I didn't have Netflix for a while, so uh, I've not been able to watch. Catch yeah, up so there. they've got a Witcher spoiler cast. So, if you haven't watched Witcher, like me, don't listen to it yet. Um, but I would suggest watch watch The Witcher and then listen mm. to their pod. I was really enjoying it. It's just, you know, when you, you're just watching it, watching it, watching it, and then you stop and it's just getting back in that headspace to watch it again. And obviously I've been watching gang films. Yeah. So. Right, that's the social media. Thanks for listening, as always. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me round, Terry. That's all right. It's we nice done? we've got heating today. So yeah, you have got heating. Good. Now I'm done, if you're done, mic drop.